is a podcast on the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com. Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 42 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I'm grateful to you for stopping by my little corner of the podcast world. Today, we're going to explore some good old phrases, and some young ones, too. Yep, today's theme is sayings that have to do with being old or young. It's an episode for the ages. Before we get started, though, just a quick announcement. I have a Patreon now. If you want bonuses like being on a brought-to-you-by page on the website, magnets, merch discount codes, and extra mini-episodes featuring phrases that are a bit too risque for the normal feed, then check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. And don't worry, the regular weekly episodes will always remain 100% free. The Patreon will merely offer you the chance to get extra content. Okay, without further ado, let's get to today's phrases, origins, history, and more. The first phrase for today is old as the hills. This saying means really, really old, and it's similar to old as Methuselah, which we discussed in episode 25. Just like Methuselah himself, we find this saying in the Bible. The King James Version of Job chapter 15 verse 7 reads, Art thou the first man to be born, or wast thou born before the hills? What was happening here was a man named Eliphaz and some of his buddies were sarcastically asking Job if he was even old enough to be wise. They were comparing him to the literal hills, the ones you know, that were made in the beginning, so to them, the hills were just about the oldest thing around. They equated wisdom with age, and being older than Job looked down on him as a less wise person, in their opinion. So, this saying may have also been the earliest version of do-you-even-bench-bro type sayings, but that's just speculation on my part. Now, while that's likely the first use in print, and possibly the origin of the saying itself, it didn't really become popular in the vernacular until the 18th century. In 1734, a book was published called A Defense of the Ancient Historians. It was written by a minister turned bishop named Francis Hutchinson. He wrote, quote, As vales are as old as the hills, so lows and rivers must be as old as they. End quote. Now, not everyone thinks that this was figurative. They maintain that this is simply another, the hills are literally really old kind of statement. If that was the case, we just have to look forward about 50 years to find the true first figurative use. In a 1787 edition of the Edinburgh Magazine, a Scottish periodical, we find the following quote. If an unlucky gamester brought on his papyrus a combination of letters already known, everybody abused him, saying, That has already been said. That is as old as the hills. All the world knows that. End quote. So, from the Bible, to a bishop, to a magazine, this saying has made the rounds. Now let's try to learn a new trick. 
The saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, means that it's easier to learn things while you're young, or that the older someone is, the less likely they are to be able to learn something. Now, the history of this one is fairly straightforward, but it's such a popular saying, I felt like I had to include it in today's episode. So, the idea behind this is kind of based on people's observations about dogs in old-timey times. They found that pooches were easier to train as puppies than as grown-up doggos. Older dogs were seen as either too stubborn and set in their ways to learn something new, or just too unintelligent to figure out anything new. Now, they weren't completely wrong. They were just right for the wrong reasons. According to science folks, younger dogs are naturally more curious and therefore remain interested in things longer than an older dog typically will. Being more attentive means that a younger dog is likely to pick up a trick easier than his older counterpart. However, if a dog finds something interesting enough, then he'll pay attention better and will most definitely be able to learn something, regardless of his age. Now, there's no telling exactly when people started thinking pups were better pupils, but it's been a while for sure. In 1534, we find this in a work called The Book of Husbandry. Now, this was either written by Anthony Fitzherbert or his brother John, and while many people lean toward John being the one to write it, no one seems to know for sure. Whichever brother put pen to paper, here's what it said, quote, The dog must learn it when he is a whelp or else it will not be, for it is hard to make an old dog to stoop. End quote. Stoop meant to follow a scent trail, so he was referring to how it was important to train a dog to hunt while it was still young, to ensure it would be a good hunting dog. That's pretty much all there is to it, so now let's figure out exactly what a whippersnapper is. First of all, what does whippersnapper mean? It's used to describe someone younger than you, especially if they have an attitude. People have been whippersnapping since at least the late 17th century, but at that time the saying was just whip-snapper. This was basically used to describe the act of talking a lot, but not really saying anything of substance. This is because the term whip-snapper came about because apparently lazy people in old-timey times would just sit around snapping whips when they were bored. In other words, they made a lot of noise for no reason. This phrase ended up getting merged with snipper-snapper, a saying meaning someone insignificant, though I couldn't find out why. So snipper-snapper and whip-snapper became whipper-snapper, and their combined definitions brings us back to the insignificant or young and annoying meaning it's used for today. I couldn't find a definitive first use in print, so I don't really have anything else on this one. Therefore, let's move on to breaking down something newfangled. Newfangled means something new and different. But if there is a newfangle, is there also an old one? Actually, yes. Well, sort of. This is going to be a bit tricky to lay out for y'all, so bear with me as we go back to old-timey times to break this down. There is no such term as old-fangle, but before there was newfangled, there was just fangled and before that, just fang. Let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. If we go back to the 9th century, we have the root word fang. Way back then, fang meant things like to take, to start, to catch, to attack, and more. It's had many other meanings and uses over the years, such as in the 11th century when it was also used to describe the prey taken by a predator, 
And then in the 16th century, it finally became mainly known as the tooth-related word we use today. Thanks to its earlier meanings, we can move on to the next step, to fangle. This meant to create, to invent, or otherwise manufacture something. The Oxford English Dictionary tells us that around the late 14th century, the word new was added to fangle, and something newfangled was a new creation. However, this is tricky because we also find the word newfangle even earlier, back in the mid-13th century. This is likely why the Oxford English Dictionary also says that the word fangle came about only as a misinterpretation of newfangled, instead of fangle being a stepping stone to newfangled. It's definitely a confusing timeline because it involves two similar sayings showing up around the same time, and the Oxford English Dictionary seems to contradict itself on which really came first. However, if we put all the disputes about which word came first aside, we can confirm that newfangled was certainly in the vernacular by the 15th century, because a bishop named John Alcock wrote a book of sermons in 1496, which included, quote, Boys of 50 year of age are a newfangled as any young man be, end quote. If I haven't confused you enough to make you stop listening to this episode, then it's time for today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. Just the metaphor. Today's metaphor is old hat. This saying means old-fashioned, and for a saying about old things, it's relatively new. It doesn't seem to show up until the early 20th century, at least not in the modern way we use it. I'll have to step lightly here in case any little toppers are listening. Adult toppers, you may want to listen to the next couple of sentences alone first just to be sure you're okay with the little ones hearing it. Okay, with the warning out of the way, old hat, pre-20th century, was a derogatory term for female private parts. I won't go into any further detail, and I won't share the quotes I found because they made me blush just to read them. However, let it be known that there's historical evidence for this less-than-family-friendly version of the saying going back to at least the 17th century. Now back to the modern meaning, something old. We know it was being used in this new way to describe something old by 1911, because Cornish writer Sir Arthur Thomas Quiller Couch wrote a novel called Brother Coppice. He wrote, quote, And the difference is not that religion has ceased to teach it, for it hasn't, but that men have grown decent and put it, with like doctrines, silently aside in disgust. So it has happened with Satan and his fork. They have become old hat. End quote. Most people seem to believe that this modern meaning is a simple metaphor. A hat gets worn out as it gets older. Therefore, to describe something as old hat just means it's worn out and or old. And with that, let's go to the book for today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book here, and it's open to a section of Norman McLeod's writings. And section isn't really a good description because it's literally just one quote. But what he wrote in Trust in God was... Courage, brother, do not stumble. Though thy path be dark as night, there's a star to guide the humble. Trust in God and do the right. Okay, Mr. McLeod, I guess you weren't a man of many words because you only have one quote, but it's a nice quote. I like it. Thank you for giving us today's familiar quotation.
That's going to do it for episode 42. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. You can connect with me and fellow language lovers on Twitter and Facebook. Just look up Turn of Phrases on either site, or go to turnofphrases.com for links and more information. If you want to send me a message or topic suggestions, you can email me, which is brisky at turnofphrases.com, or use my website's contact form. My website also has details about all the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, remember that growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. Toodaloo. And now... This is... Let me rephrase. It's an episode for the ages. Thank you, Kelly, for shaking your head. What was happening here was a man named Eliphaz... Eliphaz... Oh, gosh. Why did I think I could say Bible names? Eliphaz. Faz. Eliphaz. Eliphaz. Is he an elephant? What the heck is his name? What was happening here was a man named Eliphaz... Eliphaz. They were comparing him to the literal hills. Hills. Hills? <laughs> if an unlucky gems... <laughs> I couldn't find a definitive... F- this is going to be a bit tricky to lay out for y'all, so bear with me. Because Cornish writer Sir Arthur Thomas Quiller Couch wrote... <laughs> what a name, dude. Because Cornish writer Sir Arthur Thomas, Thomas, this was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.